Welcome to the Red Hot Chili Prepper Podcast. This is episode number 55. I'm Suzanne Sherman, Jeff Johnson joining me today. We are going to discuss the meat industry. Specifically, is it on the brink of collapse? I want to thank you for listening to us at Anchor FM. From there, you can find us at Apple, Google, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, as well as Spotify. You can donate to our page and help support our efforts directly at Anchor FM. Or you can go right to my website, SuzanneCSherman.com. Put a donation out there. There's a button right on the landing page. Also on the landing page, we have pictures for each podcast, the Red Hot Chili Prepper podcast, as well as my show, The Wasatch Report. That is based on current events. And boy, howdy, there are a lot of interesting things we're covering right now. And as we discussed on yesterday's show, Politics can very much have an effect on the lives of homesteaders and preppers. So uh, if you want to get a heads up on some things that are coming your way that might impact your life as a preparedness expert or student of preparedness, please do consider checking out that show. Also, if you go to the website, you can find the links to the books by me. We have the latest one has been released. I have to get the link up for that. The uh, Red Hot Chili Prepper Survival Series food preservation strategies, as well as doomsday dining recipes from Camp Apocalypse are both available in the printed and Kindle version. And if you have Kindle Unlimited, you can get both of those for free as well. The other book, Federalism, How Decentralization Can Save America, is also available both in print as well as for Kindle. So you can read that immediately. We also have a separate page for suggested reading from other authors, as well as a recommended products page. And if you go to those, that will take you to links we have with Amazon. So that will be a way you can help us out as well. And that won't cost you any extra money for ordering products through there. Speaking of suggested reading, the Lost Frontier Handbook is also linked on my page. Learn the Ways of the Pioneers. It is your ultimate guide to self-reliance. If you want to learn also about food preservation for the ultra long term, we're talking 25 years, check out my link for Harvest Right Freeze Dryers. I do have an affiliate relationship with them as well. Once you get one through me, I will give you private access to my personal email and cell phone and we can communicate directly. I'm happy to help you out. Yesterday, we talked about a law that is in the works in the state of Oregon, which is essentially going to put anybody that's trying to raise meat or animals uh, out of business. Uh, Check out our episode number 55 if you want to hear more about that. Today, we're going to focus on the meat industry and where we think this is headed and what we have to look forward to. Jeff, I found this article that we're going to be talking about It is from bigthink.com forward slash health forward slash livestock disruption. And they're asking here, will the livestock industry collapse? Back in the day, Jeff, I was cracking up when they were talking about cow farts and global warming. Fast forward to modern day, it appears they've been serious the whole time. They really want to get rid of the cattle industry. Why? My supposition is because it is a traditional American industry, the cattle ranchers, the farmers. This is something that is a part of our history and our culture, and especially out here in the West. What, what say you? When I first saw this and I we first started talking about all this in the homesteading and uh, being self-sufficient uh, and self-reliant, I said that this is a war on rugged individualism. They do not want us to be self-sufficient 
rugged individuals because if we're doing that, we don't need them. We can survive just fine without all these people in Washington, D.C., or in your case, Salt Lake, or my case, Harrisburg. We don't need these politicians to continue on and thrive in this society. But if they take away our ability to be self-reliant and to raise our own food, we become very dependent on the ruling class. You know, just as a quick recap also from yesterday was interesting because they described means of selectively breeding cattle by means of castration. So the undesirable bulls that you don't want their, their genes continuing in the herd, they cannot be castrated. That is a form of sexual assault, according to these people. However, sexual assault does not expend, extend, I should say, to spaying and neutering of other animals. So clearly they have an agenda here, and that's to target people that are trying to, first of all, provide people with the source of protein, specifically meat, and then also go after the people that are self-sufficient. Clearly, we've seen this before. Look at this zoning regulations. You can't even have chickens if you live in certain areas. And then if you do have chickens in certain areas, if you're in a suburb or in a city, you're limited to just a couple of them. Roosters, absolutely none whatsoever. So what does that mean? You can't raise your own chickens on your own. You have to buy eggs from an outside source or they're just going to be banned altogether because they're noisy. Note, however, people's dogs can bark all night long. This is a common complaint I hear with a lot of people that are trying to homestead in a community about dogs barking all night, but heaven forbid you have some chickens. Go ahead, Jeff. Well, if you think this has nothing to do with preparedness, I mean, you're crazy because, I mean, look at all the people that raise rabbits, that raise other uh, small animals that are used for food sources, uh, chickens included. And you got people that raise goats. And they use that for meat and cheese and different things. And all the way up to people that have cows and pigs. Uh, if these people succeed out there, it's going to go to other places. And they're going to ban your ability to even have pigs or even rabbits. I mean, so this is a really big thing. And now we're looking at something completely different. But it's a, still an attack on preparedness in a sense because they're going after the ranchers as well. Yeah, absolutely. And as we talk about the three basic rules of survival, you need food, water, and shelter. Well, this is food, ladies and gentlemen. So my question is this, if they're going to require that you can only consume animals that have died of air quotes, natural causes, are you going to have to order a necropsy for every one of these animals and have their death certified by a veterinarian? By the way, Illness is also a natural cause in animals. They, a cause of natural death in animals. They die of illnesses. So now, are you going to have an animal if it died of an illness? Let's say it's infested, it has pus, it had an abscess, something on the inside. You know, so now you can't eat that anyway. So this is an absolutely insane law. But again, I quoted Milton Friedman that's a shame that laws are judged by their intentions rather than their consequences. So I want to turn now to this article here. And is about the livestock industry. We've talked about the war on livestock. This case in point, Jeff, Bundy Ranch. You know, for some time now, cattle ranchers have been grazing their cattle on public land. And we see the leftists calling them welfare recipients. You know, if you're a member of a class that typically tends to lead towards conservatism, all of a sudden now you're a parasite on the system. But, you know, heaven forbid you want anything else from the government and you lean to the left. That's absolutely OK. Case in point, 
healthcare. That's a human right. Here's, let's start with this article from 2012 to 2023, the cost of protein in the U.S. from cows to precision biology food technology will reach parity, says independent think tank Rethink X. And I have an article here, a link to a study that they have that I'm going to share with you also. Very, very scary stuff. They're saying here that this is going to be a tipping point after which acceptance of modern foods think uh, created in the laboratory. Jeff, we did a show about a laboratory creating food in California, a meat alternative, lab-based meat. This is going to leave the cattle industry effectively bankrupt by 2030. Oh, 2030, Jeff. Any connection with Agenda 2030? Five years later, down to 10% of its current size. So by 2035, 10% of the cattle industry will be remaining. A friend of mine said that, and we're going to share his comments too from the Red Hot Chili Prepper page on Facebook, that by a certain time, there's we're only going to be able to get imported beef. And it's kind of like with oil right now. We're not going to drill our own, apparently, but we'll buy it from other places that are polluting and destroying the environment, just like we would be doing here. But that's okay because it's somewhere else. This protein disruption, they're calling it, is going to be followed by a collapse of a wide range of related and supporting industries by 2035. And this is going to be, according to the researchers, researchers the deepest fastest, most consequential disruption in food and agricultural production since the first domestication of plants and animals 10,000 years ago. You know what this sounds like to me, Jeff? This sounds to me like the great reset of food. We're already talking about the great reset of the economy and financial institutions. Well, hey, let's screw up the food industry so we can reset that too. We talked about on another show about all these factories and all these plants that are manufacturing and, distribu and distributing foods, how they're catching on fire, planes are catching, uh, are, are crashing into them. Uh, a recent fire the other night in Chesapeake, Virginia at a food processing, I think it was a grain facility. So, I mean, this seems to me like controlled demolition. What say you, Jeff? It appears as though there's even some in other countries. I saw on, on a list that in England, there's been fires in their food distribution plants. So it's not just limited here. And that's what makes this so unbelievable. And a lot of people go, oh, you're just tinfoil hat people. Well, no, we're not. I mean, do a little search. Do a Google search and uh, put in their food distribution plant fires. And you'll find uh, some, from, like I said, I just saw that uh, one listed from uh, England. Uh, so, I mean, it's happening in other places. It, it seems to be a concerted effort to reduce our ability to get real food that is grown or raised and go to foods that are manufactured in some sort of plant that is manufactured through some process of chemicals and other things uh, that will certainly not be as healthy for us. And again, th this is where I get upset about this because they're trying to replace it with these things that are made in vats and in uh, test tubes and trying to get it so it it's more acceptable to us. But you know what? beef and pork and poultry and our fresh grown uh, produce out of our gardens is far more healthy than anything someone can make in some vat. Yeah. And we don't even know if it's ultimately going to be good for us, but rest assured, it's all going to be guaranteed safe by the USDA, the United States Department of Agriculture, right? 
just like the, uh, the, the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, nothing ever released and deemed safe and effective by them has ever been harmful, has it? No, clearly we can trust it. Yeah, just watch watch the television shows sometime and see all the commercials for lawyers now that are re representing people who've been injured by pharmaceutical products that have been deemed safe and effective and released upon us. You know, my other concern too, like you said, Jeff, we're talking about growing your own food. We've talked about the war on the vegetable gardens in the front yard in the state of Florida. Again, we always support local, you know, if you have to have regulations, start from the basics, have them start as local as possible. But you had all these communities banning vegetable gardens in front yards because they, they argued they have a compelling government interest or local community interest in having a community that is consistent in appearance. Well, so much for diversity, right? You can't talk out of both sides of your mouth. So the state of Florida actually had to come up with a state law prohibiting these communities from banning uh, the vegetable gardens in the front yards. We're going to continue this conversation after a quick break from our friends at Anchor FM. We'll be right back. Walk away Pretending things will be okay Welcome back, everybody, to the Red Hot Chili Prepper podcast. I'm Suzanne Sherman. Jeff Johnson and I are talking about an article concerning livestock, the raising of livestock, and what is happening to this. Is this going to be on the brink of collapse? Where are we going with this? There's an article from BigThink.com who's not only reporting on this, but I think they're actually excited about it. There's an, a page called Rethink X, and they have predictions that they published in a report that they released in September of last year called Rethinking Food and Agriculture from 2020 to 2030, the second domestication of plants and animals, the disruption of the cow, and the collapse of industrial livestock farming. Listen to the words that they're using. Disruption. Compare that to what we have now. Disruptions in the supply chain. Collapse of industrial livestock farming. Collapse of what? Collapse of our economy. All this has been a controlled implosion. This has all been planned. The ramifications, this group said, will be profound, far-reaching, oh, and according to them, overwhelmingly positive, affecting people everywhere. You know who this is really going to affect? The people that have been raising cattle for generations. It's going to affect the people that are also associated with this industry. But who the hell cares? If you don't approve of the way they make a living, it's going to be a positive outcome because you don't like it. Things are about to change big time. Yes, they are. They say here that we can build nutrients ourselves, programming complex molecules using precision fermentation or something called PF. Jeff, the, technolo the technical industries 
technology is essentially taking over our food supply. And there's an article, I want to find some other sources here, because this was also reprinted on lewrockwell.com, that's saying technology is ultimately going to take over the food supply. And this is a perfect example of it. This is not tinfoil hat stuff, folks. We've talked about the meats coming out of laboratories, lab meats. People have talked about eating mealworms. We mentioned cow farts. This is going against people being self-reliant and getting their own food. If you cannot grow your own food anymore because of all these regulations, by golly, you are going to be stuck getting it from certain select, and I would say affiliated with government sources. This is very scary. Let me continue with this article. Moving food production to the molecular level meaning you can't sit there and have a nice big hunk of steak that you want to just cut and chew on yourself. You're going to have something that's been produced at the molecular level. It's going to be, I don't know, soylent green or some other, you know, Jeff, I looked at one of those out of curiosity, plant-based burgers. They had some at a grocery store. I thought, oh, what's in these, by the way? I couldn't pronounce anything on there. Yeah, it's funny that you said that because I was going to bring it up. This really is reminiscent of that old movie, Soylent Green. They were manufacturing this food for everyone, and no one knew what it was made of, and and the, what it was made of was really pretty horrendous in the end. This is my first thought, that we're going to go into an era here where we're going to be eating Soylent Green. We don't, it's just something that they, they're feeding us that we have no idea what's in it. And like you said, these plant-based meats, quote-unquote meat, because it's not meat, is made of things that you have you can't even pronounce and i'm sure i can't even pronounce well and here's what they say too by moving the food production to this molecular level is going to promise a more efficient means of feeding ourselves and the delivery of superior cleaner nutrients without the unhealthy chemical antibiotic insecticide additives required by current industrial means of production. Well, who's to say that's not going to be in the current? We don't know what's going in this. We don't know what chemicals are going to go in this. They act like this is coming, you know, straight from, I don't know, an organic garden. This is not what they're promising us. Rethink X is saying each ingredient will serve a specific purpose. I don't know, Jeff. Did we just do a show something a while back about using spinach and green leafy vegetables to get mRNA? technology and everybody we we did a show on that go ahead well we on this show have many many times said we that go find someone local to barter and trade with and so most of these people that your your neighbors and all the people around you they're not in the agribusiness where they're not a big plant that just produces mass produces animals that uh for slaughter they have a small herd they call out the ones that they're going to butcher every year. They may only have two or three that they're going to butcher, but come up to it with an agreement with them, uh, a barter or just a straight out purchase. And you know exactly what's in them. You don't, this whole notion that you have your only choice is to buy stuff that has antibiotics and all these things in them is ludicrous because the fact of the matter is we're about to order uh, between all of us a three quarters of a cow. We know exactly who it is we're buying it from. We know exactly how they treat this animal and is humanely uh, treated growing up. And it doesn't have all this crap that they're saying is in everything. Well, it's not. You know, as preppers, if you're growing your own rabbits, you know you're not putting stuff in there. If you're growing your own chickens, you know the stuff's not in there. If you're growing pigs and cows or goats, you know what's in there. You know you're not doing all this stuff. 
So this is just a false flag. It's it's meaningless. It's just there to scare people that don't aren't in the preparedness community to believe that there's something wrong with the meat when there's not. And the thing is, they're they're talking about making our way of getting nutrients more efficient. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean just sucking something out of a, a tube or, you know, a powder and running it through a blender? Maybe I don't want to be efficient when I'm eating. Maybe I want to sit there with a big old slab of rare steak and slowly cut into it and take my time and eat this. What the hell does efficiently eating mean? I mean, are we supposed, are, are they going to take the joy of eating out of us too? So what's going to happen to that? We can no longer enjoy our meals because that's not efficient. And what specific purpose do we need? You know, Jeff, when I put my meals together and, and plan out my menus, I kind of go on by what my body's calling for. Some days I need more protein. Some days I need more carbohydrates. Sometimes I feel like my iron's a little low. I'll have a steak and then a big old plate of, of spinach. And that fixes me. I, I look towards nutrition for maintaining my health. But these people think that they're going to substitute their judgment for ours in the, in the interests of efficiency. And, you know, what are the attributes that we desire in terms of nutrition, nutritional profile, structure, taste, texture, functional equalities? These are personal decisions and they are taking that away from us. The report is indicating that the future will be nutritious, more nutritious, tastier and more convenient with much greater variety. Well, you know, I'm all for that if that's what they want, but do not do that at the expense of what we already have. Nobody's saying they can't do this, but typically what happens with these uber progressives is we see a better way. You must abandon your way of life, what you like, in exchange for what we think is better for you. So rethink X. And here's my issue because I'm saying technology is taking over this industry. And then I read this article. They even have a term for a worldwide informational platform serving future food production. So, Jeff, it looks like they're trying to have a global food production network and distribution center. Very scary. They're calling this food as software, consisting of databases of engineered molecules, molecular cookbooks that allow for decentralized. No. How do they come up with decentralized Stable and resilient production anywhere cites fermentation farms, even in densely populated areas, providing a means for continued reiteration and perfection of food molecules. This is going to signify a move from a centralized system dependent on scarce resources to a distributed system based on abundant resources. They may say it's distributed, but I would say are decentralized, I should say, but only in the matter of distribution. Jeff, I would guarantee that the information that they're running on is run by a highly centralized and proprietary source. Is that a fair assumption, do you think? Yes, I think so. And we're still looking for some uh, confirmation from some more mainstream avenues of uh, news to kind of go to flesh out some of this other stuff. All kind of ties in together and makes it apparent that maybe they have an ulterior motive for what they're doing. Yes, absolutely. And here are some of the ramifications that they're listing here of the protein disruption extend across a range of areas, again, from 2030, by the time they bankrupt the industry, to 2035. 
And it breaks these uh, ramifications into four categories, economic being the first, and precision fermented foods and products will be at least 50% and as much as 80% lower as current products. This will result in a substantial savings for individuals. The average U.S. family will save $1,200 a year. Big deal. We're paying 50, over 5000 more a year, each and every one of us on gas, I'm sure. Adding up to $100 billion a year for the nation by 2030. Well, what does that mean? We're saving that much money. How does that benefit the nation at all? And not only that, but if this is going to be a disruption, what it sounds to me like it's not even going to be voluntary. So we're going to be saving money. Remember how we were also supposed to save money thanks to the Affordable Care Act? Jeff, how's that working out? Also, the revenues for the U.S. beef and dairy industry and their suppliers will decline by at least 50% by 2030 and in 2035 by 90%. Other livestock and fishery industries will follow. The volume of cattle feed crops required will fall by 50%. So they're going to starve the cattle. And I'm going to share with you some comments from a friend of mine in Texas who raises cattle and let you know that this is real. This is what's happening. Revenues for cattle feed will fall by more than 50%. These people are actually taking joy in the fact that thousands, hundreds of thousands of people are going to be out of jobs. And this doesn't even include all the supporting industry. Remember when we had to bail out the car industry because it was too big to fail? I guarantee you the government will never take up this response with the people that actually feed us. Farmland values will collapse by 40 to 80% with regional variations dependent upon alternative uses and other variables. Countries heavily invested in animal product production will suffer significant economic shocks. One example is going to be Brazil, where 21% of the GDP is derived from such industries. I guess they're okay with destroying the livelihoods of all these people, but we already know that because they did that in 2020 and 2021. Oil demand from the agriculture industry in the U.S. for production and transportation will largely disappear. Well, that's just fine because we need them for all the machines that are waging a war across this, across the world. By 2035, environmental impact, 60% of the area currently allocated to livestock and food production will be freed for other uses. Like what? Like what? This is enough land that would be dedicated to the planning. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Remember, this takes us back to cow parts. This is enough land that if it were dedicated to the planting of trees for carbon sequestration, it could completely offset U.S. greenhouse emissions. There is no BS going on right now that cannot be tied directly to climate change. Greenhouse gas contributions by the U.S. will drop by 60% in 2030, nearly 80% in 2035. Modern food production will lower the net emissions. You get my point there. Water consumption related to cattle will drop by 50% 20, by 2030. Modern food production will lower water use from animal uh, agriculture by 35% in 2030 and route to 60 by 2035. When we get back after a break from Roxanne, we're going to talk a little bit about what I learned from all this in California. We'll be right back after you hear a word from our musical sponsor, and then we're going to wrap up the show. They pour 
poisoned your mind and then left you behind. I told you the tables would turn. Now don't look to me for sympathy, cause baby, that bridge has been burned. Don't try to explain the dead and the pain like always, your words are just hollow. Music for this program has been brought to you by Roxanne, courtesy of Rat Pack Records. Radio Silence is the album and is available on Amazon, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, RatPackRecordsAmerica.com, and RoxanneBand.com. Welcome back to the Red Hot Chili Prepper podcast. We are talking about the implications of some of these policies that are going to destroy the cattle industry and other industries that that provide us with meat. We've talked about the environmental, first of all, the economic implications of this organization, Rethink Thinks is fantastic. Uh, There's going to be a lot of families losing everything. The environmental impacts, we talked about that. I left off with water. Now in California, you have a lot of hatred for the farmers who use a lot of water. And this is why they shut off the water in what was formerly the breadbasket of the world going down through the Central Valley. You drive through uh, down Highway 5 on the way to Los Angeles, or I guess going north too, uh, and you see signs everywhere calling it a dust bowl. And this was created by Congress. During the debates for the passage of the Affordable Care Act, the Democrats in Washington needed the support of the farmers and, and the congressmen in, in that area because their constituents needed more water. So they came up with a deal that said, OK, if we support and vote for the Affordable Care Act, will you give us more water? Well, yes, said the Obama administration. Of course, we'll give you more water. Well, they turned it on to a mere trickle. And then the constituents and the congressmen representing them said, hey, this isn't enough. Well, to me, what I said was, yeah, they didn't give you enough. We both know what you are. You just didn't agree on a price in an appropriate manner. So going back to this article now, let's see, we talked about the environmental and the economic, the social implications, because you know these people can't leave our lives and how we want to lead them alone. We're going to have more nutritious, cheaper, and higher quality food. That's going to become more widely available. Hmm. Just like healthcare is becoming more widely available now, access to cheap protein, particularly in the developing world, will have a hugely positive impact of hunger, nutrition, and general health. Well, they could do that now without shutting all this down. You want to manufacture these foods and send them to people that are hungry? Go right ahead. There's nothing stopping you. In the declining industries, because we have to have these industries lining, because we know just like the conservative farmers in California, you don't see a lot of liberal cattle ranchers out here. It is a war on anything conservative and traditional. 
About 600,000 jobs will be lost by 2030, leading up to over a million in 2035. Folks, they think this is good news. Let's talk on some of the geopolitical issues, decentralized food production. Remember, decentralized food production does not mean decentralized food control. Remember that. This is going to cause relations between countries to shift as it will be less affected by climactic and geographic conditions. Current major exporters of animal products will lose some of their current controlling leverage over other nations depending on their products and vast tracts of arable land no longer a prerequisite, a prerequisite to food production. Even smaller or densely populated areas will have an opportunity to become major food sources. Guess what? Smaller populated areas already have that opportunity, as do the densely populated areas. You can have a community garden. Jeff, these small community farmers don't need the pesticides that these people are decrying. I've been on a tear. I'm going to let you run with this for a minute now. <laughs> I don't know about uh, needing the pesticides. I have a small garden and I I used no pesticides on it. I used uh, minimal fertilizer on it, but I had to do some fertilizer. And again, I, I'm just about to go and get in the next day, get some lime and some fertilizer to throw on it and then rototill it and have it ready for later in the month to uh, plant my garden. Again, my soil is so awful, I have to put something in it or I just won't get anything to grow in it. But is it bad? No, I don't think so. It's mostly nitrogen. It's stuff that's already naturally occurring in nature. I'm not a chemist, but I still used a little bit of uh, stuff that I get some sort of return out of my garden. And, you know, a smaller farm can raise animals in a more sustainable and humane manner. I would submit to you, it's better to have more farms that are smaller, buy from your local ranchers as best you can. And then if there are people that are in the cities that don't want to buy that meat or want to pay a premium to get it, then that's up to them. But I have a friend, David, who is commentating on our Red Hot Chili Prepper page on Facebook. That's facebook.com forward slash Utah Prepper. We'll get you there. It's also called the Red Hot Chili, C-H-I-L-L-Y Prepper. And this is a cattle rancher in Florida. And we talked about the cost of gas and the cost of fertilizer. So here's what he has to say. You may not know this, but here in Texas, and it's starting now, folks, cattle ranchers are selling off their entire herds. Why? Not because of drought or anything like that. Fertilizer prices have tripled or more. We're not going to be making hay for the coming winter. I spent $6,000 last year just to fertilize. That's not my cost in baling, though, which was $23 a bale. This year, I was quoted a price of $29,000 to fertilize and weed kill. I can't do it, so I'm selling my herd and only keeping enough on the place so I can keep my agricultural exemption. My neighbor sold his entire herd, 400 head, and we won't have hay to feed. And the packers are buying these cattle up cheap. I think this means in a year, the only beef we will see will be imported and the price of that beef will be through the roof. If we have any beef at all, are they cutting off our food supply? I believe so. I, I agree. I agree with them, Jeff. So this is actually happening now. We're just not aware of it. I think I told you when we were chatting away the other day that I was going to treat myself and maybe get a ribeye steak. I used to go and eat, you know, several of them a week. I'm primarily a carnivore with my diet. 
And I used to pay $13 for a nice size ribeye. I saw one about the size of what I used to buy. It was $25, the exact same thing. And we're just talking a few months. We are just talking a few months. So this is a result of the endless printing of money and a result of certain whoever it is behind this trying to cut off the food supply. And there, these, these facts are irrefutable. You know, so if you look at this now, we talked about shutting down or, or having zoning ordinances that prohibit growing vegetables in your front yard. And that might be the only place, depending on your neighborhood and the layout and the sun that you have available, that you can do it. No chickens in the city. And then contract, and then now bring into all of this digital currency. So, so much for trading eggs for food or trading food with your neighbors or skills, because if you want to pay them, you're going to have to have a digital currency. We already started now with the latest law that came into effect that's going to take a every now PayPal, Venmo, all of these online uh, ways of, of distributing money to each other. You know, little side jobs like it would do. You sell an old couch, you just get PayPal or something like that. Now, anything over $600, the IRS is going to is going to get a report. You have to get a 1099 form. So much for the Biden administration going after billionaires. Not happening. So folks, the noose is tightening. A long time ago, I've been talking about this story. I was driving on Interstate 80 through Medicine Bow, Wyoming, and I couldn't, you know, it was just admiring how beautiful it was and just watching the cattle that were grazing out in this beautiful area in the mountains out there. And I thought, you know, it's really interesting the parallel between the lives of these cattle and the lives of us. We even refer to ourselves as tax cattle for the IRS and, and the federal Leviathan. And these cattle are going about, they're living their lives, they're doing what they do. And then they brush up against a barbed wire fence, much like we do all the time with the go, oh, nope, can't do this. Well, they brush up against the fence. Okay, I guess I'll go here. But they're completely unaware of what beholds them until the cowboys show up and then they get loaded on, on, you know, through these chutes and on the trucks and off they go. Never aware of what com is coming their way. I have been watching society behave like the cattle, refusing to admit that this is actually happening. And there are still some people there. So the purpose of the show is to let you know that there is a war on our traditions, our values, our way of supplying food. I have no problem with the market economy, the free market, filling a demand for these designed products, these lab-created sources of proteins or technologically superior or more efficient ways of providing ourselves with sustenance. If we so desire, I hope that we do not have to go with what they are saying is happening here. I find this very, very concerning. But once again, nobody's saying from our side, no, you cannot have these foods. But absolutely, they say that to us. No, we know better. Stop with your cattle. Stop with your chickens. Stop with your rabbits. Stop doing whatever you want to do with animals and do it the way we tell you and you're going to like it. On behalf of myself and Jeff Johnson, I'm Suzanne Sherman. I want to thank you for listening to us today. This has been the Red Hot Chili Prepper Podcast. <laughs>